0: I thought she was going to say the transition. Next week, we will be meeting in the driveway. And the week after, close to the portables. And then we'll be, you know. No? Oh, I guess then the parking lot. Be patient with us. Actually, if you really want to know what's going on, you have to ask uh, Melissa. (laughs) Because she definitely is the boss of the outfit. Yes? (laughs) Yes? Has she been bossing you around her whole life? You know, it's weird. She's my younger sister. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Amen. Welcome, all. I'm glad you all blew in. So it was weird. We live in Peters Creek, and I, I don't think our flag even moved, I mean, at all. And I would call Pastor Dennis, who was on the other side of the mountain. He's like, man, it's wild around here. So Peters Creek. Place to be. It's not Anchorage, it's not Wasilla or Palmer, it's <laughs> good pizza. We have Bella Vista. It's that's good stuff. So Pastor Dennis, if you are listening or you're gonna to listen to this, um your team's doing a great job keeping us all together. So hope you and Brenda are being refreshed. And uh from there. <clears throat> so the high school English teacher gave her class an assignment and said, I need you to make a sentence out of the words defeat, deduct, defense, and detail. And so they were thinking, thinking, thinking. And finally, the smartest girl in the class, because it's always a girl in English class that's the smartest, says, defeat of deduct went over defense before detail. Yeah, wait for it. Yeah obviously we need some English teachers around here. <clears throat> I think even from Minnesota, you may have gotten that one because, you know, he's fentanyl kind of thing. So, well, praise God. Hope everybody is well. I want to start off with prayer. <clears throat> Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would impart into each one of us exactly what we need to hear, that as you raise up your body, uh, of believers around the world that, Father, we are standing on your strength and upon your authority and upon your word as you commission us to go forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. We, um, <clears throat> Laura came up and gave me a word. She said Jesus is in this. She saw Jesus in this room standing by every one of us, just like personally ministering to each one of you. So my prayer is, is that as I'm speaking that the Lord delivers exactly what you need to hear so that when you leave, you are strengthened and encouraged and uplifted by His Spirit. And so, because He's got a a plan and a... I was going to say a plot. Yeah, a plot for every one of us. <clears throat> um, sometimes I feel like He is plotting. Like, like Lord, what are you plotting? So, um, kind of like the time... I, I can't remember what happened. Something... Joyce wanted something, and then she goes, I think this is God. And I said, hey, God, every time my wife gets an idea, it costs me money. (laughs) (laughs) And the Lord said, well, I'm not worried about money. I said, well, you're not worried about money, but I'm worried about money. I mean, you have the cattle in a thousand hills. So, yes. And she goes, let's go look at this piece of land in Reading." I'm like, well, that was for sale a year ago. It's not for sale. She goes, yeah, and here's the real estate agent. And she looks it up. And we're literally at the stop sign. And across the street is the real estate agent's office. I'm like, oh, this is a setup. God, I'm not very happy right now. <laughs> and we walk in. He goes, oh, yeah, it's still for sale. And the price is even lower now than last year. I'm like, God, God, get me out of here. <laughs> this isn't working. <laughs> so <clears throat> today's message is going to be um, aimed primarily at us as the body of Christ and as everyone else that isn't hearing us as the body of Christ. It's for the body of Christ. But the things that I will share can be applied to your life and your battles as uh, individuals. Uh, and so you can take this as a corporate level, but also as a, on a personal level uh, as well. And a lot of this message is birthed out of my several years of journals from January 1. Because on January 1st of every year, I sit down, I'm like, all right, Lord, what's up this year? Before I do anything else, like I get up, get coffee, go in, sometimes I don't even get the coffee, and just start writing. <clears throat> and for the few weeks before and, and the week after, I try not to listen or read what any other prophetic voices are saying, because like, I want to hear it for myself. We all like to hear that for ourselves, And uh, so it's been amazing. As I go back and look through the years and realize, wow, that was actually, maybe I really did hear from God. That wasn't last night's, you know, scalloped potatoes from Becky Hansen. It was like, wow, that was God. And as I look back and I consider the last two years that that we've all been through, um, whether you wanted to go through it or not, we're through it. And I looked at my, what the Lord told me on January 1 of 2020, and he said the refining process that he began in 2019 for the body, he was going to continue in 2020, which probably when I wrote down, like, well, that's kind of cool, he's going to purify us. But little did I know, like, uh, yeah, could we go back and discuss that word? Could we have something a little bit more? But there's also promises that come along with this refining process from the Lord, And, you know, as you look back at what the prophets, the voice of the prophets were saying in the 20s, this is the decade of the 20s, it's the decade of the mouth, um, because of the Hebrew language and the word. Um, The decade of the edge of the sword, actually the, the word for the edge of the sword in Hebrew is the same word for mouth. So it's like the mouth of the sword. So your mouth is the cutter, your mouth is the cutting edge. And we all have and heard these promises, and we were standing on them, and we were praying over them, and we were believing for them. And then we're like, we make it through January, and like, yeah, this is it. God's really moving, and we make it through February. And we're like, God is moving, and we make it through March. Well, at least until March 11th. And then, you know, everything went crazy. And at least for me, because that's when the governor decided I was non-essential. And and so was Felicia. She was non-essential. So, you you know, you don't need teeth. You know, that's aren't needed. But we we still hung on. I think for the most part, the body of Christ came together, like if my people will humble themselves and repent and pray, and we prayed, and there was prayer meetings here and across the cities and the nations, and there was online prayer meetings and Zoom prayer meetings, and there was prayer meetings on the mall, and there was shofars blowing on the mall, and conference after conference, and word after word, and we were you know, it helped breathe us in, but then the the battle got even worse. So you got this COVID stuff going on, you got election stuff going on, and then you got um, just what's happened in our nation in the last year. It's like mind boggling almost. And literally, I feel like most of the body of Christ, well, all of us, we'll say all of us, are at times, if not all the times, we feel shredded, like we have just been destroyed. And when we're in those times, it's a very dangerous time for us because it's very easy to do nothing. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And we love that last half of that verse. Could we just like strike out the first half of that verse? But every one of us, is experiencing this, or has experienced this, or will experience the first half of this verse at many levels in our life. There are things that you have been contending for and believing for, for a month, six months, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, maybe not some of you. And as we go through these battles like this, we begin to get. It's like it's like each battle just whittles whittles, whittles us down, shreds us a bit more, until we literally do end up heartsick. I mean, they talk about the lock, last luck, lack of hope, and heartsickness in the U.S. <clears throat> and you know, one of the tragedies of the therapy of COVID that the whoever decided to do it this way was isolating people. And never let even a visitor come in. I mean, so you take away community now from people and it's very easy to see why, I mean, and we're the believers and we are times where we carry lack of hope. What chance does the non-believer have of carrying any hope? Just look around at the grocery stores at many faces and there's like, There's hope. The devil has been very successful at sowing a seed of fear that has taken root. That is beyond even the seriousness of any disease or anything that's going on. It's that seriousness of that seed of fear. Because with fear, the devil can now control you. And and we should, as believers, be living in a re-life, as I call it. And that real life is redeemed, restored, renewed, refreshed, reversal, revival, recovery, recompense. I mean, add all your re-words to there. You've heard many prophetic words with these words. And you you get excited like, yeah, God's sending revival. Yeah. And you pray and pray. And it doesn't come next week. Like, hey, God, you said we're sending revival, but that was a false prophet. So we're not going to believe that person because it didn't really come. And uh, hmm, Jesus said he's coming soon and that's 2,021 years ago. That's really soon. Well, I guess minus is 33 years. And instead, we're living in the D life, which is defeat. And I know there's an I in there and an F. Defeat, despair, discouragement, despondency, depressed, destroyed, fearful, anxiousness, worry. And every time we get we get a delay, we get a lack of hope, we get something isn't answered. Our tendency, and it's very easy to be drawn back to this level of lifestyle instead of that re-level of lifestyle where the life in Christ really is because he has come to bring life and bring it more abundantly. And I know every one of us has felt like this photo from time to time. Literally, you have no energy even to pray. I got no more belief in me. I have no more prayers left in me. As a matter of fact, a very peaceful, quiet lifestyle means I don't believe for anything. I don't hope for anything. I don't need anything. I don't need anybody. I don't need my Bible. All I need to do is just sit here and just feed me because, and we've all been there. I mean, how many times have you personally crawled to the Lord? Because literally you can't do anything else. Because you are full of these types of attitudes and feelings. Because the promise, which you grabbed onto and believed, has not happened. And the body of Christ is at this point where we have grabbed onto the promises. And when we get, and it doesn't get fulfilled right away, and we get to this point, now not only are we not even in the battle, and we have no energy to battle, we begin to even attack ourselves. We attack each other. We're like, well, you know, if we had only done this, if we had done that, you know, that prophet was wrong. This happened because of that. We look for reasons why God didn't fulfill his word. Like, God needs our help to tell him why he didn't fulfill his word. Maybe on another planet not in this planet. But I'm here this morning not to leave you depressed because I'm here to kick you in the butt today. Oh, I said the B word. Okay, <laughs> forgive me, Pastor. <clears throat> because I think God has, son- he is releasing something to the body of Christ. I believe many are waking up And we're about to see a change like we've never seen before. And when you leave here, I do not want you to be the same person you came in. I'm so glad Jesus is sitting by every one of you because I'm going to let him kick you around in a nice way. So that you leave, you're going to feel like, oh, my goodness, your sword is sharp. Your taser is sharp. Your 45 is sharp. Your Glock is sharp. I mean, whatever weapon God wants to give you is sharp. Your spear, your javelin. And so, as we go through life, we don't get to choose our storms. God gave me this quote a couple years ago. He said, we don't get to choose our storms, but he'll always be our anchor if we choose him. And this morning, I want us to anchor ourselves in the Lord. Because then it doesn't matter on the storm. Because you will have your anchor, and you will not crash on the rocks. I... I, Another photo. Wait till I get this other photo. But this storms, we've all been there. And you know that when you're anchored in God, you can survive a storm. But when that anchor slips and you don't know where this storm is taking you, where this storm is going, if this storm will ever end, it is much more difficult to fight. If you've ever gone on a journey and you have to go down like a difficult trail and you've never been down there before and you're trusting the person leading you, but you don't know what's ahead of you. They do, so they have no problem. Like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, I know there's this ditch here and around this corner here and this mud puddle here, and yes, we've got to cross this creek here, and I've done it a 100 times, and we're going to make it. But the person behind you may not know what's going on. Like, uh, you really want me? That's like my wife. Like, I'm not going down that trail. Come on, you can do it. You, know, Nope, not me. She's, I'd probably be, I don't know, maybe dead if it wasn't for her caution. like, no, you shouldn't do that. And in life, it's like that. When you're in these storms and these words aren't being fulfilled, you just like, I thought I knew the direction, but right now I don't see anything at all. Well, I was complaining to the Lord this January. I'm like, Lord, thank you for all your prophetic words. This is great. You're encouraging me, encouraging me. But we still have this going on. We still have this going on. The nation is still in a mess, and it looks like it's getting worse, and we got this, and we got this. And the Lord stopped me in my tracks, and he said... Son, Daniel eleven thirty two. 32, take action, run to your windows of prayer. See what I will do, and I will show you how effective your prayers are. Persist. The Lord is saying to the body of Christ, Daniel eleven thirty two. 32, by smooth words, and by the he, he's speaking of an evil ruler, by smooth or deceptive words, he will turn godlessness Turn to godlessness those who act wickedly toward the covenant. But the people who know their God will display strength and take action. There's a similar passage at the end of Malachi chapter 3 going into verse 4 or chapter 4 that says the people are complaining, said, God, it was no use for us to serve you. The wicked are still prospering. We don't have our promise. Life is terrible. It was useless to serve you, useless to believe in you. And the Bible says, but the people who believed God and revered God consulted together, and God noticed them, and he wrote their names in a book of remembrance. Are you going to be one that at this season, God looks down and says, wow, I remember my children back in 2021 and 2022, the ones that revered revered my name and feared me and knew me. And they're the ones I'm writing their name down. And they were the ones that received the blessings that occurred in Malachi chapter four. You see, we're not the only group of people to give up because it's easy to give up. There's no energy to give up. And so, as, the, as we press into this, the Lord is saying, hey, stand up. It's time to take action. And I want to point out a couple things here. Number one, that action follows knowing God. So there's a lot of people that believe in God. But there are not as many people that know God. So do you believe in God or do you know God? And this word know is the intimate knowing of the Old Testament. Uh, in um, King James, it's the word that's translated if, you know, like Adam knew Eve and she conceived a son. It's that intimate knowledge. And our actions, we will never have proper actions. In fact, we'll have very few actions if we don't know who God is. This passage from Daniel was a reference, a prophetic reference to what was coming, which was uh, the Maccabean revolt when the emperor of Greece sacrificed a pig on the altar. And most of Israel did nothing except the Maccabean family. And why did they move? Because they knew who God was, who their God was. And Judas Maccabees Is quoted as saying, it doesn't matter how small we are, basically, or how big the army is, it doesn't matter to God. He can save by the many or he can save by the few. And we've all, that's another challenge that we all face. Like, well, if we can just get a thousand people in Alaska to pray, all on the same day at the same time, we'll win. Well, I mean, a thousand and one people. Oh, I mean, two thousand people. I mean, All of Alaska. Wait, I mean, everyone around the nation has to pray. hmm. I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that in the Bible, we have so many examples of a man or a woman changing the heart of God. One. You and God are a majority. So right now, I break that lie off of every one of us in the name of Jesus where the devil is saying, your prayer doesn't matter because there aren't enough people praying. You need to look him in the eye and say, the spirit of the living God lives within inside of me, and me and him are a majority. You get out of here, return to the pit of hell in the name of Jesus, and I am pressing on. Because the people that know their God stand up and take action. How do we know God? How do you know Josh time time it's time with the Lord. We have to get back to really this is the number one call Pastor Dennis has been harping us like, wow, we really need to get back into the presence of God into the presence of God, worship and prayer with him, and reading his word because when you know him, you will know his character, you will know his nature, you will know his attitudes you won't you may not remember where the scripture is, or even if there was a scripture, but you would know when you see something, hey, that looks like God, or no, that does not look like God because you spent time with him and you know what he's like. If my wife goes to the store, she knows what I like and doesn't like. She's like, oh, no, my... In fact, I'm gonna pick on something even better. My in-laws are like, they've been together since junior high school. They are now 80... 83 years old. They can read each other's mail. (laughs) This drives my wife crazy. (laughs) Because then they act alike but they can know like my father-in-law knows exactly what my mother-in-law likes and my mother-in-law knows, no 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 Pa's not going to deal with that you know and that's not going to be him and you know she'll put up the wall of protection to do that why cuz they got this knowledge and this relationship this intimate thing but she can stand there not going i wonder this or i wonder that knowing god will change your prayer life because now your prayers will begin to flow in agreement and in faith. Why? Because you'll be able to pray in agreement with who God is and what he has said. And our prayers, when they're lined up in agreement with who he is and what God has said, are the prayers that are effective and fervent. And so this is why when, when Daniel writes this down, he goes, the people that know their God rise up and take action. Daniel is known as a man of prayer. Daniel got in trouble for praying. But Daniel knew God. Now that didn't keep him out of the, out of the lion's den. But Daniel knew God, and God pulled him out of the lion's den. And what happened was a heathen king recognized, because Daniel knew God, this king now knew God. And he said, Daniel's God is the God of gods. All dominion is his. And he rescues and saves. There's God's job description. I just, that's actually my son, Brendan. That's one of his favorite Bible verses. The book of Daniel chapter six. God rescues and saves. It's like, that's what he does. If you want to know what God does, he doesn't just sit in the heavens throwing down lightning bolts. He rescues and he saves. That's who he is. That's his nature. So now, you go to prayer. What is your attitude if you know God? That's his nature. Your prayers are directed towards rescuing, saving, declaring his dominion, declaring his authority. Why? Because the people that know their God take action. And action number one is in prayer. Now, I'm a guy we get things done, right? Give me a problem, we'll solve it. That works against us guys when it comes to prayer. Cause like we see something going on, like an injustice, like I'll take care of this. And maybe God's like, would you come here first? I want to give you a different direction. I want to show you how to take care of this. See, as we're coming into this season, God's going to call us all to the prayer closet but from there out, he's not going to call us all to the same thing. Some of you, he's going to have you stay in the prayer closet. Some of you are going to go to battle with worship. Some of you are going to go to battle within your jobs. Some of you are going to be called to maybe take a stand. We might see some of you on the news because you're standing there resisting. But you're not resisting on your own strength. What if the believers showed up at a city council meeting after we had spent time with God and soaking in Him and He gave us a a prophetic word for, for the meeting? And it could be one word. Now you walk in full of the power of the Holy Spirit and you speak whatever one sentence you say and everybody's like... Because it was given by the Spirit and delivered by the Spirit. And so... And this time with God is where we learn who God is, but more importantly, we learn who we are. Because outside of knowing God, you will not know who you are. Our identity, in fact, I think there it is. Our identity is wrapped up in our understanding of Christ and Christ in me, the hope of glory. You want to know who you are? Find who God is, and he will show you who you are. Beyond that, knowing who you are teaches you how much God loves you. There was, i never forget what he said. He was a, his name was Joe McIntyre. He was a pastor that used to travel with Randy Clark. And he wanted to teach his church. He said, Lord, I want to teach you, teach my people how much you love them. And the Lord responded back and said, Show them who they are in me, and they will know I love them. I'm like, wow, that's a different version of love, what we think. You know, love, we I think many in the body of Christ have the wrong idea of love, even. It's like, oh love, we have to love them. I know, I know they're they're killing babies, or they're doing this, or they're doing that, but we have to love them with the love. That is true on one set. But Biblical love opposes. Biblical love stands in the face of evil when people are being kept in bondage or in prison. And I'm not saying your attack is against the person. It's against the spirit that's behind that person. And let God deal those issues out. But if we don't even speak, then where's our... Where's our... Or sort of demonstration of the love of Christ that say, no, this is not acceptable. This is not acceptable. But again, these actions are birthed from the prayer room and these actions are birthed from knowing who God is. Because when we don't know who we are, the devil wins. The enemy has been very successful at blinding many to their identity in me. Knowing your identity is one of his greatest fears For his authority can only exist when my people don't know theirs. We have all been like this, asleep at the wheel. Because either we don't know who who we are, or we don't believe what God said who we are, or who we are. And so we just lay down. And when we are not in the way, the devil wins. But the devil knows this. So this is why your battle, our battle against this authority of who we are and our strength of what we have in prayer is so strong. You know, the number one thing, I've grown up in church since, actually, since I was born. And I cannot tell you the number number of sermons, messages I've heard about, we need to pray more, we need to pray more, we need to pray more, we need to spend more time in prayer, we need to pray more, we need to pray more. It's probably more than anything. Probably even more than go tell people about Jesus. So, obviously, the body of Christ recognizes that prayer is important, but we all fall prey to not maybe responding through. Now, there's a two-way street here. Number one, there's the answering the call of the Lord that says, hey, come into my chambers. I want to spend time with you. That is good. What isn't good is, <clears throat> Megan, you should have prayed an hour a day this week. You know, you committed that to the Lord and you didn't do that. And so she spends an hour a day and next week, you know, if you're really holy, you'd pray two hours a day. If you really want to be holy... That is wrong. That's the voice of the devil, making it a works mentality. But the people that know their God can basically stand up and say one word. If you look at Jesus' prayers, you know, be healed, rise up and walk, you know, fish multiply. Hours in prayer, little in word, great in impact. And God is calling his people to be great in impact and to be great in impact. We've got to be ours in prayer because that's where the Lord is taking us. We have got a life that the Lord has put in us that's on hope and he's changing our hope. But hope in the Bible is not a wish. It's not just this random like, well, will a chance thing. Biblical hope is a confident expectation of the outcome. He, Hebrews 11, chapter 1, y'all know it, the faith chapter. Faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It is, faith is the building blocks of hope. So I want to work this in reverse. Hope A confident expectation in the outcome. Why are you so sure that's going to be the outcome? Because I have faith. Well, where'd you get that faith? I got that faith from the Word of God. Time with the Lord. His rhema word, his logos word, what he speaks to your heart, what he speaks to you through his Bible, through his written word, what he speaks through the scriptures. When you put your teeth on that, like my dog does to that little rope that I pull that dog around with and will not let go, that's faith. A faith that's so strong that leads to a hope that like, no, I'm not giving up because I know what it is supposed to look like. And this isn't what it's supposed to look like. And I'm confident of the outcome. And this is how you stay in the battle. And when you have that attitude, you don't have to tell. It's like you don't have to be led to prayer. It's a constant lifestyle. It's flowing out of you at every second of the day. Because you're like, hmm, this isn't right. And a prayer comes forth, and a prayer comes forth, and a prayer comes forth. And so God is dragging us. He's putting within us this hope. But to put this in us, we need a faith. And in need of faith, he needs us in his presence That's where we are being called to be because he is trying to heal our broken hearts. He's trying to get us out of that D side of living and get us into the RE side of living because he has much to pour out. This is going to be challenging and encouraging. The Lord spoke to me, I think, last year, and I'm like complaining about the battle. And he basically said, this is the training battle. That after this, and we win, the, and he said, when we win this victory, and I was, he was specific about our nation, when we win this victory, there are nations that we're going after. So there's a bigger battle that's coming beyond the one we have. And I'm like, Lord, I can't even handle the one we got. <laughs> so maybe you, you picked the wrong person here. But let's go, and um, this is it Jeremiah? I think it says, you know, how can you run with horses when you can't even run with men? And then the Lord's training us. He's training us. So be encouraged. The Lord's training you. And and he lets us keep taking the test until we pass. And it's open book, open neighbor, open God, open Holy Spirit. So there's only one test. And that, that test has to be, um, that test of obedience because God is taking us. He's, he's, Put it bluntly, he's like fixing us because he's going to use us to help fix this. I believe, I believe that the great dragon of China is coming down. I believe the day is coming when the lion in the tribe of Judah will wipe off that lion, that dragon's head. Because God, there are 200, at least million, 200 million believers in China crying out for mercy And you're telling me my God is not hearing their prayers? And those people, by the way, are praying for America. Hope, a confident expectation of the outcome. So this is what the Lord is saying, I believe, for this season that we're in. Number one, take a stand. Have a backbone. Be empowered with my spirit and my boldness. This is the part where Jesus is like kicking you. Like, hey, hey, get up, get off the ground. You know, we can't be laying there like the, if you read Ezekiel 37, the first half of the, of the chapter, you know. Yeah, they're there, they're laying there, but they're just corpses. They're just skin and bones and sinew. It's the second half when the Spirit of God came into them that they rose up and became a mighty army. And the Spirit of God is blowing into us. Will you breathe him in? Will you breathe him in? Because that's where the Lord is calling us. Number two, we are in this battle, not because we did something wrong, but because of the Word of God. We took the Word of God. How many times have you heard Well, we're here because we didn't do this, we didn't do this, we didn't repent for this, we didn't repent for that, we didn't do this, we didn't do that, we didn't do that, Melissa didn't do that, our pastors didn't do that, the leaders of the church didn't do this, or you didn't pay your tithe. See, it's the blame game. The devil's really good at the blame game. But God has a different idea. His word is a fire. His word is purifying. His word is like the coal that Isaiah took off the altar. Psalm, chapter 105. He's talking about the life of Joseph. And he says, oh, hang on. Let's get that one. We're in this, these struggles. The Lord's told me this a few years ago. It says, many are our storms and struggles, not because we did something wrong, but because we accepted the word of the Lord. I specifically chose this. This is a picture. I typed in, Mayflower in storm. Our founding fathers of this nation went through storms on the ocean Because they believed the word of the Lord. The disciples, Jesus said, crossed the lake and they were in a storm. We would look at that and like, well, I wasn't in the will of God because I'm in this storm. And yet they were in the will of God because he's the one that told them and they obeyed and they were in the storm. Why? The devil hates the word of God. The devil hates the fulfillment of the word of God. The devil does not want the word of God fulfilled. And if you have the word of God, It's like you have a football and the defense is after you and all your offensive players have left you and you are now the target. You got that picture? So next time you say, hey, pastor, I want a word. Give me a word. Think twice. (laughs) Maybe you don't want that word. Like, "Uh, do I want to be a target these days? Okay, Psalm 105. Joseph, thinking with Joseph. He was sent a man before them, Joseph who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with feathers. He himself was laid in irons. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Until the time that his promise, Joseph's promise of your brothers will bow down before you, you're going to be a ruler of a great nation. Until that time came to pass, the word of the Lord refined him, purified him, burnt him, fried him, cleansed him, so that when that word came to pass, it could fulfill in a holy, sanctified person the word that was to be fulfilled. This is why I believe the storm and stuff that we are in is not because something we didn't do. It's because we did do something. We believed God and we started walking forward believing God and the hell came against us and is coming against us. But we know God and we are standing up. We are saying, no, we are not giving up. You can put fetters on my feet. You can put mask on my face. You can tell me one lie after another, but I am here to tell you, but I'm sorry, but my God is the king. My God is the dominion and the news media is not the dominion. I'm telling you, I want to get you this response. I mean, I do this very often. I don't listen to the news. I can't stand the news. I didn't like it before COVID. I don't like it after COVID. But I hear somebody say something on the news, and I just know that that's not God. And I immediately get this response like, no, in the name of Jesus, I tear that down. Why? I'm an American, and I have authority, and I'm a believer. And I'm like, that's not correct. That's not even correct biblically, and, and what I'm speaking against would preach in any nation of the world, so it's not just an American thing. When we have a president that came out years ago and said, America's not a Christian nation, I, I can tell you where I was on the highway when I heard that, and I said, that's a lie in the name of Jesus. We are a Christian. I just start prophesying all the, the words that I knew about America. This is the response that God is looking for us. But there are a lot of times where I sit there like that girl in, def- in defeat and discouragement. Like, this is hopeless. Just take me out of here, Jesus. Maybe I'm going to go back. I'm going to change my eschatological view back to like the rapture's happening tomorrow. And I'm getting out of here and I don't care what happens to anybody else. Okay. I'll see you in seven years. <laughs> By the way, don't take the mark. If you take the mark, you know, that's your final. I saw the movie. <laughs> Movies. And the charts and the book by Clarence Larkin and late great planet Earth and, and I'm like, wow, that really messed me up as a child. <laughs> there was a lot of hope. Okay. You too. Yeah. Anyone raised in Pentecost or Baptist churches. Then I was sharing this, this this doctrine with a Catholic friend one time who was a believer, and she's like, Does the Pope know this? I never heard any of this. <laughs> I'm like, how can you not know this? This is like standard doctrine. Yeah, until I find out that before 1850, nobody ever heard of it. I'm like, well, what's the deal here? Okay, the next thing. God's telling us to persist. Don't give up. Keep going. Keep moving. This is where he's calling us and he's pressing us into this, this season that we have to persist. He said to me in March of 2020, he said... He goes, I'm looking for persistence in prayer. I'm not looking for fanciness. I'm not looking for long. I'm looking for persistence. That was so freeing to me because now I know that a one-sentence prayer as I'm driving down the road or a thought comes in my head qualifies as persistence in prayer. Are there times I go to prayer longer? Yes, but there's a lot of times you're like, Driving down the road, working on, you know, I'm working with a patient, like, oh, yeah, Lord, I want to pray for this situation or that situation. Persistence in prayer, it's keeping your channel open because I'm practicing my knowing God so I can practice my action in God, so I can practice my confident hope in God, so that I can be like Elijah and have a prayer that's fervent and effective and press on like that. Jesus knew that we were going to have a problem with persistence. Because in Luke chapter 18, he says, I'm going to tell you a parable so that to teach you how not to give up in prayer. And then you should always pray. And he tells them the parable about the widow that went before the unjust judge. I'm like, well, why would he tell that parable if he didn't already know that we were going to have a problem staying persistent? Because, and especially as Americans, we give up. There's not like a... Taco Bell prayer line. You know, get in, get your taco and leave, like go in, there's my prayer and I leave. Here's my answer. It's persistence. But you know what? Through this through this cycle of what God's teaching us, he's transforming us because we're spending time in his presence and his fragrance gets on us and his understanding gets on us and his ultimate ultimate goal is not even that we win this battle but that each one of us is transformed into the image of his son. From glory to glory, that is his ultimate goal for us. So everything that we go through is meant to lead us as an individual and as a corporation into that realm. Be persistent. The next thing he's saying, that this is not a season that we are going to be getting a lot of new prophetic revelations. He wants us to go pick up the old ones we've laid down. The ones that we've been battling for in 2021 or 2020 and 2019. He's saying, hey, you see, because God does not work in calendar years. We work in calendar years. I believe that God gave the dates and calendars and times to us so we can remember things. You remember when your anniversary is so you don't get in trouble. But God works in word, if I can, it's the best way I can describe it. He releases a word. The Bible says the word will not return until it's fulfilled. And he's looking for a generation to grab that word and fulfill it. So it's the season of this word. And if we don't grab this word, God will just wait until a generation comes along to grab this word. The perfect example is first generation of Israel did not go into the promised land. Because they turned back at the battle. So God waited 40 years. And then the next group got it. Because the word cannot go back to heaven unfulfilled. And so we're still in this season of the word. So don't get held up by, well, it didn't happen on January 1st. It didn't happen on February the 3rd. It didn't happen on January the 6th. It didn't happen on January 1st, 2020. It didn't happen on January 31st. Don't get held up. It's the season of the word. God is still working. What you don't see him doing is greater than what you see him doing. He's still working, which is why he's saying, don't persist. We know what God wants to do. We don't know the how and when. And when his how and when doesn't line up with my version of his how and when, then I fall into this, must not have been a word of God. He's like, well, you just let me be God. You be God. I'll be... He be God, me be me. And finally, this is going to be a year of suddenlies. We're going to hear the phrase, then suddenly, a lot this year. I believe this is the year that God is really stepping onto the scene. And he's saying, this is the year. This is the season. This is the time. Because he says in Isaiah chapter 48, I declared things long ago. Then suddenly I act, and suddenly they came to pass. I gave the word here, but my suddenly was here. We have a problem with God's suddenly not lining up with his delivery. He doesn't have the problem. Our job is just to stay faithful and in confident expectation. Because suddenly, he is coming on the scene. Suddenly, he is acting. I want to end with a quote from Chuck's. Uh, Chuck Pierce, I just read this um, yesterday. Let us be known as the tipping point agent that tipped the bowl of incense onto the earth. And with everything within me, I want every one of you to know that you could be the tipping point that causes the bowl to dump And yes, can a little thing have a worldwide impact? One nail, one piece of paper, one door, and Martin Luther changed the world. In 95 sentences. How many times in the Bible was there one prophet that stood in the gap and said, no, this is what we're praying See, intercession, I had a slide for, but intercession is basically standing in the gap between the way things are and the way things should be. How do you know how they should be? You spent time with God and you know God, so you stand in the gap. It's as simple as that. And it could be that your prayer could be the one that sends it over. And and I'm dumb enough to believe that when it does dump over, it was my prayer. Like, oh, I'm glad Melissa prayed, but I'm glad that I prayed because it was really my prayer that, you know... That dumped it over. <clears throat> and what God is saying is, he's like, my people, I've put within you my spirit. I'm putting my backbone in you. I'm putting my, my, I'm putting my guts in you. You are standing on me. You are standing on my word. Don't give up. Don't back down. Persist. Spend your time with me and keep pressing forward. You, you know, this nation is dependent upon you. Your generations are depending upon you. You are building a future for the generations to come. But as for me and my household, I will stand on the. I will serve the Lord. I will stand with the Lord. Hallelujah! So close your eyes. I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to move. I want you just to kind of allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Whatever hit you the most. From this message, so I want the Holy Spirit to drill that into your heart. Keep coming, Holy Spirit. Keep coming, transform your people. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you would raise up within your people this group right here at Northgate, Lord. You can start with us. And Lord, I believe that you can change not only us and this church and this city, but you can change the state and this nation and the world if we will just be obedient to you and stand on your word. Holy Spirit, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would destroy every lie that we have been believing that the devil has heaped upon us. You would pull us out of discouragement, despair, and and out of defense mode and into your recompense, into your life, your revival, your redemption, Lord God. And that day by day, Lord, we have a fresh revelation of the manifest glory of who you are. Day after day, Lord, we see another side and another glimmer of you. And for those, Lord, that are in this room that are in battles for personal things, Lord, that they've been fighting for so long, I pray that you would breathe new life into those prophetic promises and words that they were standing on. And, Lord, I pray that this is the season that those words become, they have life in them and they come to life in the name of Jesus. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would strengthen us, unify us, raise us up, and allow us to keep pressing forward and take action in you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, there will be a prayer team up here. Otherwise, go with God. May his hand of grace and mercy always be on you.